Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast, the show that brings you the stories of inspiring entrepreneurs and leaders from all around Central Ohio every week. This is episode 173 of the show, and today we got the chance to sit down with Hui and Avi of Uplancer. And they're early on in their journey with Uplancer, but they have a lot of experience with other startups and other companies they've founded before. And we're confident that you'll enjoy this interview with them. And as usual, we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. You can join them on September 28th for a community event, which features a tailgate and watch party for the OSU vs. Nebraska football game. They'll have tailgate food, special drinks, and desserts, as well as former Buckeyes and raffles. Tickets are only $15 and go to support She Has a Name, a local nonprofit that helps victims of human trafficking. You can go to their event page, smallbizcares.org backslash tailgate hyphen four hyphen charity hyphen 2019 to learn more and get your tickets. That's smallbizcares.org backslash tailgate hyphen four hyphen charity hyphen 2019. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Congress, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Avi Chakrabarty and Hui Win joining us, and they're the co-founders of Uplancer, a platform that helps universities and learning institutions connect their students with gigs that provide them with experience and insights in today's work environment. And before Uplancer, 
We and Avi both have experience as entrepreneurs and founders, and we're really excited to have them both on the show today to discuss everything they have going on. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Very nice. Thank you for having us here. Yeah, thank you it's so very much for exciting. having us. You guys want to take a moment to introduce yourself so everybody knows who oh, we're yeah, listening yeah. to? Yeah, so I'm Abi. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Aplancer. And I'm Hui. I am the co-founder and COO. And uh, I guess you want to start off with your own experience? Sure, yeah. So I think uh, we will get a little bit uh, you know, into how we even ended up at OSC, or more importantly, how we ended up in Columbus. Yeah. So uh, right before I came to Columbus, Ohio, I was uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, with my first venture, Lingua Vista. That was my first venture. You know, it, it was a translation company. So we would basically you know, work with, say, providing translation services to different businesses who were trying to expand in different regions. And so in late, early, I think 2017, late 2016, around that point, you know, I decided that, you know, wanted to be here in Ohio State for the MBA program, supplied for that, and was here in Columbus, you know, at that point where I met we. So take us even, even further back then to yeah. like, before you got to Raleigh, where, yeah. where, what is your experience? Go back to like a Sure, childhood. sure, absolutely. So I started my first business, Lingua Vista, in 2012 with my now wife, but back then my girlfriend, Olivia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started out as a student entrepreneur myself, like, what, seven years now? This is, the, this is the seventh year. So, you know, starting a business in University of Kansas, that's where I went for my undergrad education, was something that I didn't really plan getting into, you know, the university. My major was physics, for all we know, you know. But after I met Olivia, I got to know that, you know, wow, language is like a big thing. And like at that point in time, back in 2011, 2012, we didn't have many translation activity or firms like, you know, really actively trying to translate financial text for Chinese and Asian market in general. So that was sort of like our leeway into, you know, getting our first gig as translators. We didn't think at that point that it's going to be, you know, a company that's going to be acquired seven years down the, down the road and we'll have capabilities in 168 languages. But throughout that seven-year period, you know, we were working with possibly, you know, freelancers, like translators, you know, who are in different parts of the world. And uh, our entire business model was sort of like hedged on the availability of whether or not these translators would show up. Later on, we expanded to voiceover, but the basic premise of our business was still the same, that, you know, you have clients who need services on demand, and you got to connect them with people and talents who are out there somewhere else in the world, you know, but basically use this as a freelancing model, you know, for their own, you know, let's like day-to-day life, day-to-day, you know, profession. So in 2017, it was 2017, you know, we were acquired by a Chinese private equity firm. And along the same, around the same time, uh, I was thinking, you know, what's really next for me? Because I have been working in this agency-based model now for like five, six years. And basically an agency-based model, you don't really have an exit other than being acquired by someone else, or you just keep on adding more firms. And I wanted to do something with freelancing, but I didn't really know at that point what exactly it's going to be like or what it's going to be till I met Hui at Ohio State. Yeah, so again, our common theme here is Ohio State. That's where we met. But before that, how I started, uh, I went to Ohio State here as an undergrad. And upon graduation, I dabbled in the idea of being an entrepreneur. So having some uh, research under my belt as a, a student, there was something that really resonated with me in one of the classes. And it was along the lines with the biotech that 
affected a lot of Asians. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Asian glow, but it's something that's not good for us Asians. And it actually puts us at risk of uh, esophageal cancer. So that's what really got me along the track of entrepreneurship. But before I could even get there, I needed to figure out a way how to fund myself as a pretty young yuppie, right? So <laughs> getting started was half of it and then getting money was the other. So getting money, uh, I went straight into oil and gas uh, with my chemical engineering degree and did my engineering. I did my time working as well as doing what I could as research. And come 2014, felt like it was about the right time. The industry was going down. I had enough income or enough capital saved up to go and take that leap. And in 2014, I decided to take that leap. And I went to Asia. I went to do studies. I went to try to uh, pursue my my idea as a young student here at Ohio State and really make that a reality. And as I uh, started doing a lot of it as an engineer and, you know, growing up here in the U.S., I did a lot of things on my own. So what I started learning is that you can't do anything good on your own. You can maybe get get maybe a year or two, but beyond that, you really need to build a team. And I was lacking that as I was going through the motions of being an entrepreneur. And uh, coming back here was really uh, what drove me was getting more business experience and uh, applied to business school. And that's where I met Abby, coming full circle from a student mm -hmm. and then coming back here again as a student again. So that's what brought us back here. And that's yeah, and I think, you know, like if you think about it, it's crazy because at that point, Ohio State was launching its, um, you know, the tech entrepreneurship track mm -hmm. within the MBA program. So that was like the first time it's ever doing that. And so I thought, you know, I have never been to Columbus, Ohio, and I never lived here. I just came here once for my interview. That's it. I like the city. The first time, you know, we were by the Scioto uh, river, yeah, um, in downtown. We really like that. And we thought, you know, like it's a, definitely a bigger city than, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, for the last five, seven years, like I have lived in China, I have li lived in Japan, I have lived here in the US, India. And I thought that Columbus, like, looked at least on the outset as a city, you know, that feels like, you know, it's a big city. It gives you the feel of like a city like Chicago or New York, you know, when you see the skyline. But people here are so much more, you know, welcoming and, you know, the Midwestern touch. I think, you know, that's the biggest sell. And, you know, I went to a Midwestern school, University of Kansas, and who you went here uh, in Columbus. So somehow I think, you know, it was coming back home, at least for me. You know? <laughs> Spent like the best part of my last decade in like Midwest. So, you know, yeah, it was it, it, it was fantastic to come back to Midwest and start attending a new school in Ohio State. You guys both made the MBA program, and yep. then you uh, you kind of strike up uh, a relationship to, together. You know that maybe you want to venture out and become yeah. entrepreneurs together. How does the idea come about, and then how does the idea come to life from that point? Sure, I can take that. So it was love at first sight. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, that's actually not the case because we didn't even know each other when we first started the program. So how we started seeing each other wasn't in the classes. We were in different cohorts, and we didn't see each other. We didn't talk with each other. We were going to events, entrepreneurship events. So if you think about it, what brought us together is entrepreneurship. And if you think high level, there's one person that we can thank, and it's uh, Dr. Michael Camp, who uh, was the director at that moment in time that brought us together into the tech entrepreneurship mm -hmm. program that we... Um, yeah, there were seven people mm -hmm. in that specific program. I think right, right now in Ohio State, 
for the NBA, they did away with like you know specific like divisions. yeah. There's no yeah. more specializations. It's so, like a general, but you can still specialize. Yeah, have, but that's yeah. that's what brought us together. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, and as we go, as we started attending, we I started learning more about Abi's background, and I told him about my background, how it was difficult as a first time entrepreneur to get everything done, and the one thing coming out of the Midwest here is that wasn't really familiar with freelancing and back in 2011 when I was a senior yeah that wasn't even anything that came to mind I would never have thought of doing that and with Abi's experience and how he's been in it about translation but within translation the, the most of the work is done by freelancers right yeah, and that's something that for me I just I couldn't get my head around to I sat down and really comprehended like how nice it would have been to have that access when I was a, when I had the capital or when I was a student to get some of that stuff done and learn how to manage a team like that and take advantage of that and make a business out of it. And I, that's when it really came to me, like as a student, I wish I had access to that. And then as we started building on those conversations, like as a student, what else are you missing? Well, you're missing experience. And how do you get that? Well, you just got internships. And with that, we kind of, bounced ideas around and eventually we came across the idea of supplementing work experience as a student with these types of gigs and freelancing opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we didn't really come out with the, you know, idea of a plan of what is supposed to be mm -hmm. uh, right away, you know, because if you take a look at the freelancing marketplace right now, you have the big guys, you have Upwork, you have Fiverr, you have competition up there. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it would have been right for us to just, you know, start you know, another like freelancing, uh, you know, marketplace without a purpose. So I think discovering that purpose was a big part of our first, you know, three to four months, even though we are designing, we are trying to talk with people, but back in our head, we are like, really like, what's our purpose? What were we really trying to achieve? You know, what's next? You know, and I think that eventually became our tagline, like, you know, because we don't want to build something that's out there and somebody's already doing, but rather, you know, what can be built you know, for the next generation of workers. And who are these workers? These are students. And these are students around us. They live, you know, among us. And uh, they have this huge, huge barrier for breaking into the careers that they want. Think about a decade ago when you, uh, you guys were like, you know, deciding or we were deciding what we were about to do. And we didn't really have the direction, you know. And it's just trial and error. And all we are trying to do with the plans is just Make, making sure that you get to do more trials and errors before you, you know. Yeah, uh, a safe environment yeah. like a Exactly, yeah. Right, I mean, a lot of times you have to choose your first job out of college <laughs> having done, like, what, like two months in an internship? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe if you're busy, you got two or three in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think this is also something that affects a lot of student athletes coming from that background. Mm -hmm. Like, you never have time for internships because you're training all summer, you're doing, like, my internship was doing camps, and so I didn't have any job experience. So I really resonate with the problem. It makes a lot of sense. You guys mentioned you were talking to universities, people. Uh, what were those conversations like initially? You know, were they were they the ones that pointed you towards, hey, it needs to be for students? Is that how that came along? I think if I remember this correctly, we reached out to, you know, the senior director of career services in engineering at Ohio State because he's from the engineering, um, you college. know, the college. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, you know, uh, more like a throwback, just trying to, you know, see if this is something she would be interested in. But uh, much before that, we actually did a survey. And the story behind that is quite funny. You know, uh, we have these 
career fairs that happen like every fall, every spring. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to the one in spring. We set up our little like round table by the exit. Wow. We didn't even have a table. Actually. Yeah, so we had to make up yeah, <laughs> yeah. our uh, little table and we would just, you know, basically survey students coming in and out of the, you know, the halls at uh, Ohio Union. Yeah. That's how we got our first data point that's saying that two things we learned from that was that number one, freelancing, you know, this idea, the concept isn't really something that people are aware of. But when we took the time to explain what it is, which is beyond just, you know, earning, um, you know, uh, money. small money. Yeah. And then for students, it's okay. They're willing to, you know, earn that little money to gain some experience rather than just, you know, like negotiate a high paying, you know, offer for like whatever job they're going to be doing. This is low risk. So once they knew what freelancing is about, then, then the question turned and, uh, the question was about, do you think you're open to, you know, freelancing to earn experience for your career? And the answer was like a resounding yes. Yeah. So with that in our arsenal, we, you know, went ahead and talked to career services. Look, we did this little survey, you know, at the career services where they're actually looking for internships. Mm -hmm. And we know that 90% of them won't get an internship because the national statistics you know, say that about 10% of students, they get internship. Ohio State being a good university, I would expect that it's going to be a little bit more than 10%. Yeah, yeah. But still, the majority of students didn't really have any answer for that gap for what they're going to do in the summer, or for that matter, year-round, once the school starts. And so that was the point, the hook, that really led the career services to think, all right, I think this is something you know, we can work with you guys and then like... Well, one of the things yeah. that we found out as we were talking with the university is the idea of the future of work, which yeah. you guys are very familiar with. And uh, that's something that they know it's coming, but they don't really have a tool to help their students get direction or guidance or coaching in that space. And that's one thing that they really, uh, I, guess, I guess, resounded with them and saying, hey, we need something like that. You guys have that. And that's, you know, at first we just had a slide deck of six Six pages, slides, right? six slides, yeah. <laughs> we barely got our idea across the table. And as soon as that, again, obviously the hook that we have, one, the idea, and then two was like the students are mm. interested. Um, that's, that's when we started. We know we were in the right direction and that helped us get closer and closer to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's kind of like the chicken and egg problem with the platform, yeah. right? Because you got to figure out, okay, the people are going to provide the services and then the users how have you guys decided to approach that problem and conquer it in your path to where you are today? Right. So I think in, in th that's where, like, I think it's, I, I think I'm really, really thankful to, you know, uh, my first stint as an entrepreneur because with Lingua Vista, you know, I had this opportunity to work with, like, you know, hundreds of businesses. And so, you know, I went back and I reached out to, you know, say two or three businesses with whom I had very good relations and asked them, would you guys consider, you know, using our new talents set up plans? I'm starting a new company. And um, that was like our first hook in terms of like bringing that, you know, adoption. And um, since it happens that most of our clients are from the financial sector, you know, and, and which means our clients are based mainly in Europe and Asia. So we decided to follow that trend and see, you know, where we land. And that led us, you know, I and Hui to fly all the way to Hong Kong because each year they hold an exhibition in Hong Kong in January. Basically, that's the exhibition. It's called IFX Expo. That's where you meet these financial clients. These are like mid-sized business. Some of them are also listed in Nasdaq and, you know, NYSE. That's where, you know, you get to pitch these, you know, businesses and learn more about them. 
And so for us, we ended up walking away with one of our right now, you know, you know, uh, biggest clients who lives right next door in Michigan. And they were exhibiting at that exhibition out mm -hmm. there in Hong Kong. And so I think coming back here, back to uh, this is like our early days, like, you know, when we didn't really know how to you know, build that traction. I think having that validation from another Midwestern client, even though we got, you know, their contact back in Asia, was a big way for us to, you know, push this here in the Midwest that mm -hmm. something like this can exist. Because, you know, I don't think, you know, it's, it's a criticism, but, you know, in Midwest, and I think it's rightly so, you know, there's the tendency to wait and watch and see how to move forward. And so unless we have, you know, some businesses or at least, you know, some outliers trying to, you know, let's say like, adopt us it would have been really really tough for us to you know get into yeah, but i think now you know i think we you can yeah get into like i would say what you're doing you know with um with the chicken or egg problem it's probably for us it made sense to have the chicken i guess which is or let's say the egg because <laughs> students are quite young so they're gonna have university the chickens, here yeah. it was an easy transition and a lot easier sell to make mm -hmm. for a business to trust us and that for us made sense. And then as we moved in that direction, then obviously you still need, you need businesses. At the end of the day, they're going to really dictate how much money you're making. So um, it, 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 I think it's more of a balancing act, mm -hmm. really. But you got to start somewhere and then build from there, I believe. And for us, it was students just because we, I mean, at the time we were base yeah. students. Hey there, Conquerors. We're going to take a quick break in the show here to tell you about one of our sponsors, Mix Wonders. Creating a podcast is a ton of work and a lot of heart and soul goes into your work. And that's why you want your audience to have the best listening experience possible. And that's why we work with Mix Wonders. Mix Wonders is an agency that helps podcasters like us get the most out of their audio. And whether you're spending four hours mixing your podcast each week, or you just can't seem to get the level of quality you want out of your audio, Mix Wonders makes it super simple to get pop star level audio at a low price. For a limited time, they are offering to mix your first episode for free. So just go to mixwonders.com. That's M-I-X-W-O-N-D-E-R-S.com to sign up for a free mix or consultation. Save time, sound professional, Mix Wonders. And having Ohio State's a great place to be considering that there are a lot of those. A lot, yes. lying a lot around. of eggs. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> yes. of eggs lying around. Good eggs. Yeah, good really eggs. good <laughs> eggs at Ohio State. But, yeah. uh, so I guess... Once you get that set up right now, so what time frame are we talking here? Once we got that first Michigan customer and then, and then started to get more of the students involved? I think February, February or, or March. I think that actually, was the time. Okay. Actually, we met them. We met them in January, January. but then yeah. it was a lag time of, I don't know, three months before yeah. we started. Right? The actual work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the mm -hmm. sales cycle was a little longer. For, yeah. Uh, but, you know, also I think at this point of like time when we're just starting out, we are almost operating like an agency rather than, you know, a fully functional marketplace. Uh, a good example that, you know, we always discuss among us is like how Airbnb, when they started, you know, like they actually used to manually connect, you know, the dots mm -hmm. rather than like today, you know, it's another company, it's a fantastic company. That's one of the companies we try to emulate, like in terms of its design aesthetics. Um, but I think um, initially, of course, it's a more relationship based, like, you know, approach. So we contacted or met them toward the end of January, early February, like that in Hong Kong. And then if your memory serves right, April is like when we started working. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, we were really fortunate to like start our new, like current wave of work in Columbus, Ohio, 
in conjunction with TCO, the uh, technology, uh, technology commercialization office at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we got some referrals on, like from inside the office, in, you know, projects which are happening. That led us to College of Nursing, where we have some new projects coming up there. So, you know, I think our mission when we first started was to look more toward the goodwill of students. But I think uh, we have started to realize that, you know, the challenge is also very profound when you think about how many of these, you know, mini entrepreneurs or uh, to be entrepreneurs, they are hiding amongst us and we don't know who they are. And all they need is this, you know, platform that can sort of, you know, enable them to take that little risk rather than invest $10,000 for an app. All right. How about we do, you know, um, I'm just making it up on the go, $500 for, let's say, the home screen and maybe a couple of features in there. Like, let's test it out. And I think they have that license to spend that money and even fail, you know, on a planser that they otherwise wouldn't have. And they have to search for the right agency, make that comparison and like figure out who to go with. Mm -hmm. So I think um, this is the direction, you know, I think that we will love to explore more beyond the obvious answer of like working with bigger corporations to fulfill like, you know, the gaps that they have in their like, you know, workflow. Mm -hmm. Because all we are trying to send the message is that if you have work, work can be broken down into projects. If you have projects, projects can be broken down into gigs. And if you have gigs that have limited lifetime, limited budget, they can be taken up by students and you can use it as data points in the future. Yeah. Would you add anything to that or no? I think Avi covered a lot of it. That's that's where we stand right now. It's we're working pretty extensively with the university. Also, as a company, we're doing a lot of sales. I mean, it's a two-man team right now, so we're doing the sales. Uh, you guys probably know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Two men, yeah, two-man team with a bunch of freelancers. Yeah. Us. So the nice thing is we're we practice what we preach, so we have a pretty good team of up freelancers. Yeah, <laughs> freelancers, and they're helping us build out what we have now. We're in the process of fundraising, so we we've had a little our feet a little wet in that space, and now we're we're gonna go full throttle in the next few weeks go east coast west coast and see where that takes us and just gonna power through it yeah that's where our efforts are so in terms of the process and more of a granular level if, yeah. if a student wants to engage with you guys they make a profile on the site is that correct in fact that's one of the things we are working with university career services for mm -hmm. so you know partnering with the university would automatically grant access to student to like you know just sign up on our you know a platform seamlessly all of their you know high level data will be pre-filled all they really have to do is just click sign up and they would be able to sign up but yeah i mean basically they create their profile and other than the fact that it's a freelancing profile the the way a plan stands out from let's say like something like upwork or fiverr is that it's a app that's geared mainly for students so the first thing that you get to see when you you know start your profile is that how career ready you are you know for success and so it's very transparent, very authentic, you know, uh, authentic, just like, you know, any other uh, community driven app, the students can, you know, accumulate feedback points, you know, level ups and can stand out from the others. And that's really our hope, you know, uh, provide feedback to students on how ready they are to get going with the career. And hopefully businesses can leverage that to hire these students for short term gigs uh, to get work done and full time and full time in the future if they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then a business that wants to engage with you, you guys will, that's primarily where the selling portion is going into you. You'll get uh, them 
to engage with you guys and then you'll figure out what are the main projects you guys are working on what are the gigs within those projects and then you'll basically push those out to the different students that you have access to through Ohio State is that correct yeah yeah so that's how it works right now with corporations it's a it's there's a vendor license and application so that's a longer process but with you know more of the smaller clients it's quite easy they come to us like you're saying they come with a, either a project or uh, an idea of what they want to do and then we either break that project down into gigs or we just get them done and get them started with uh, the students and then if needed then we have a point of contact which we deem the coach that will walk them through the process or get them help them break down that project into more manageable pieces of gigs and then get that done for them so giving more of a peace of mind approach to all that yeah okay and so what are the goals for the future of the platform then you know right now that's where we're at now what are you guys looking at other than fundraising we well, talked about kind yep. of the yeah, horizon. Yeah. what's what's long term look like well long term i think for us is to you know have uh, clients sign up post a gig get it done and leave a you know great feedback for the student all on its own without us having to handhold anyone you know mm -hmm. i think the day we can do that, I think that's going to be like, you know, uh, that's our next milestone. That's going to be like a big, big milestone for us. But I think um, at least in the near future, like a year, our goal is to make sure, you know, we provide opportunities for Midwestern students to compete on a similar level uh, or have access to those kind of gigs, which like you are from San Diego. So you, can, you, you know that, you know, the kind of opportunities that exist out there. Mm -hmm. Here, we don't really have those opportunities. So, you know, if somebody who is here in Midwest, whether they go to Ohio State or Ohio University for that matter, the Ohio State University here. The, <laughs> the Ohio State. Um, trying to trademark that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I think uh, we want to, you know, give them the taste of like what it feels to work on a project from a startup out in the West or East Coast. But beyond that, uh, I think, you know, we are chasing the idea of a career space. Yeah, so this career space, what we talk about career readiness. Well, we want to be able to have this concept that if you want to explore a certain career, you have all the tools. You have the coach or mentor, what are you going to call it, the expert. You have the suite of software that you need to get into that space, and you have projects to test on. So having the the whole entire space that allows you to learn different careers, that's, that's what our our dream is and that's what our I don't know, 10 year mark five ten years uh, yeah. we're hoping that we would have something along yeah. those lines I, I know it's going to be very it's a big vision but at the same time that's what we're striving for yeah. and you mentioned the milestones along the way but what do you guys envision to be the, the biggest challenges or being the biggest challenges uh, in pursuit of that milestone I think adoption I think that's the first thing because no matter what you're working on whatever business you're working on I think you have to go through that fundamental you know, leap of convincing others to believe in your platform. And uh, I mean, that's a generic challenge, I think, for any business who is trying to succeed, you know. Uh, but beyond that, you know, for us, the way we are positioned right now is um, a marketplace. And for marketplaces, you know, the chicken and egg, it, like that's the start. But then the question is, after that, who is the driver? Are students the driver of the platform or are the clients the driver of the platform? We are putting our bets on students. You know, traditionally, it's always the clients because they have the money. They, if they don't post jobs or you know, gigs on the platform, no matter how many students we have, our business model wouldn't really work because that's exactly how our business model is centered around. We don't charge career services. We just charge a transaction fee. So I think for us 
to have businesses you know adopt our platform would be the biggest challenge and again to do that you know we want to go through university because not uh, a single you know freelancing platform works with the university to provide that authentic and verified you know uh, talents around you so that's a big push that we are trying to have so that you know this can be uh, so plancer can be you know accepted and adopted say society or for the larger clients you know in their let's say consideration set mm-hmm. for where their next batch of talents would be coming from so i think that would be the challenge that we are pursuing at this point mm-hmm. anything to add there yeah i mean to build on that point you know it's definitely getting the buy in and uh, building it across not just here locally but also nationally and then deciding is it a stronger sell because when we throughout our whole entire experience it seems like it was a lot easier to sell or at least explain this concept when we were in hong kong or when we were in tokyo like it's very freelancing is more uh, yeah we actually exhibited a, yeah. um, we were chosen as you know uh, one of the leading you know startups at tech in asia in tokyo in 2018 yeah. i think first from ohio to I be think, there yeah, it was yeah. First from ohio. yeah so it it, it was It, that decision whether to go national or internationally or nationally i think that's going to be a, a big decision in the next few months as we move ahead like what it, it's easier to maybe go to go yeah. to japan but then also there's other downside of that and we really have to decide as a team uh the direction absolutely but you know like i think what works at least you know that's something we agree is that you know say what you may but american education still is american education mm-hmm. you know which is uh it's one of the strongest you know i think you know Uh, a brand mm-hmm. of you know like education out there in the world like and and with the sheer number of universities the sheer number of students even international students who come here i think it just goes on to prove how strong this brand is and i think if that's really true. we are pl- placing our bets on students being the driver mm-hmm. then that's one of the reasons why we want to start and prove our model here then move out you know somewhere else so uh, again yeah that's <laughs> that's our biggest challenge for now yeah How do you feel in you know talking about uh, going abroad so to tangent that into how do you guys feel about Columbus as a business environment and, and operating here internally right now? I think you know it's a double edged sword and I say that you know based on my 2 years of experience of being here in Columbus who of course you know uh, he you grew up here so you know you will have uh, maybe another opinion. So for me um uh, right from the day we came to Ohio State you know it was sh- uh, told to us that you know it's a great place for doing business it's a great place for um, starting up. And I think I agree to that to a certain extent which is that you know it's imagine you know uh, we have this opportunity to meet you here and this was really seamless connection. And I think doing this out in the west coast or east coast or in a bigger city would prove to be a little bit more troublesome so i think you know in terms of access to people definitely i think you know we have had meetings with like the c level you know members of some of the fortune 500 companies out here and it was really on short notice mm-hmm. so it was really nice to you know uh, have that but i think uh, while i think that's an extension of the general goodness of i think midwestern culture that i attribute to often I think uh, in terms of starting out uh, uh, starting out a business in Columbus and making sure that it's successful I don't think I can pinpoint uh, any business that has had overnight success it's always a story of like you know determination hard work you know incremental growth year on year growth even like in you know, a root insurance you know they were successful in like closing a huge amount of money but you know if you really check their um, history they had to fight you know for being who they are 
And I think um, it's a good thing that I think it makes you prepared for like, you know, all kinds of situations. But I feel that the hesitancy for, and, and, and you know, this is simply because most of the world's capital for venture investment is just literally located in one city, San Francisco. With the rising prices of, you know, living in San Francisco, you would imagine almost that, you know, that money, that drive um, to invest in Midwestern startups would be on the rise. But uh, I think we need more, you know, I think, work that needs to be done in the city to attract that kind of capital because it's easy to get that seed round out of the way, series A may be out of the way, but you know, when it comes to this, like that backing that some some companies like WeWork gets, series C, D, E, F, G, that's hard to believe that we can sustain that kind of, I think, um, that level of funding uh, because most startups are, you know, destined to fail, sure, but you know, you need that long rope and our you know, others ready to willing to provide that long rope to us. That's, I think, the biggest question. So it's a double-edged sword for me, but mostly good, you know. And I think uh, that's what I think the remaining 20% that I think the perception needs to change should come from us. If we go out there, we make sure that, you know, we have companies that are, like, successful. I think that that will change the perception. And uh, we just have one option, which is to keep trying. Really, there is no other option. Just have to keep trying. Yeah, I would uh, also build on that with, in terms of the positives, yeah, it's, I've grown up here and I know, you know, it can be good, it can be bad, but overall, Columbus in general is a pretty good space. Being so close to, I mean, population-wise, it's pretty close to a lot of uh, big cities. You have a lot of access to the different C-suite level people that you probably wouldn't, if you were in New York, you'd just be competing more. Uh, the wards are oyster here and it's it really sets you up for um, like what kind of legacy you want to leave here. And I think depending on what type of effort you want to put in, I think you really can achieve whatever you want as long as you have the right team with you. And uh, that's one point. I think the in terms of what I find kind of difficult here in Columbus is uh, the number of events that are happening here. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on, but <laughs> yeah. uh, the tech conferences, the major ones are happening on the West Coast or in the East Coast. You have a lot of the bigger conferences within industries that uh, like medical comes here, but then when you think about anything beyond that, it's really hard to get that type of um, brand awareness that comes here and then you can go to their booth or you can go and talk directly to them. I think that's one of the, the struggles here when it comes to being in Columbus. You really need to go East Coast or West Coast to see some of that. And it comes with a price tag, right? So yeah, it's, it's not free. <laughs> right. And, you know, the, the funny thing about those conferences is I think they just, you know, everybody wants to go to... Orlando or San Francisco, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, hey, it's nice out. Okay, we get it. But <laughs> it'd be great to have some conferences here in Columbus. Yeah. Um, uh, so talk a little bit about any advice for our listeners. So a lot of our listeners out there, right? They're entrepreneurs, young professionals, people similar situation to you guys that when you were in uh, you know, business school or before that. So any advice for them? I would say one of the things that I learned throughout business school and actually working with Abby is knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are, and then owning up to them. Knowing what you're strong, make sure you push that. Whatever you're weak, find people around you that can either help you get better or pick up the slack that you can't pick up. I think that's the one advice as an entrepreneur as you grow your business is know where your limits are. And when you don't know if you can do it, you can ask for help. And for me, the help that I get is from Abi with all the experience that he has as a uh, from the freelancing background and uh, being a successful second round entrepreneur he's being modest <laughs> um so being able to support you in the certain ways and especially you you have struggles 
in life, you'll have struggles uh, in work, in your personal life. But having knowing how you can cope with them and having the right person there, I think that's really important as an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. I think I don't know if it's an advice or I think some some people I think are fortunate to have that, which is you know have a you know support a rock that you can like lean back on. And you know, for me, of course, that rock is my family. You know, my wife, my son, my mom and dad, brother. So it was a difficult decision the first time I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I still remember my mom asking me two times, are you sure you don't want to go get a job? Because she was just seeing me literally working from, you know, the couch. Um, and, uh, she, you know, she had no clue, you know, what's going on in my bank account. And like, you know, it's work, you know, this is also work. And uh, second time around, you know, um, parents are really supportive. But having a kid is, is a different challenge now for me. So like who you were saying, you know, know your limits because, you know, if, if you can, you could have changed the world in a day, you would have changed the world in a day. And it's good to, you know, if you, for me, I think personally, what works for me is, you know, uh, my emotions. So, you know, I, I feel anger, I feel frustration, I feel probably, you know, uh, lots of, you know, negative things that anybody else would feel. But I try to, you know, use that on my work rather than, you know, carry that around uh, me because you know for for me I think how I carry myself around will affect people around me so you know I might be feeling down from inside but you know or a sales lead that might just you know that that went away and uh, I'm not feeling good but if I show that to Hui or anybody around me you know that I think also you know leads to you know change in I think the environment around you so I think you know trying to be positive and it's not easy all the time uh, so I think trying to be positive is very, very important uh, because you are fighting an uphill battle from day one. Mm -hmm. We see our uh, classmates land jobs, you know, that are worth, that are north of 100K, easily into, I think, sometimes mid of, you know, around 150K. And um, that brings up this question that, you know, we, was, uh, we and I we were discuss discussing out in the lobby about opportunity cost of what it really means. Like, you know, wh why are we doing this thing? So my only advice is that don't forget why you started this thing because being patient is is absolutely necessary. And if being in Midwest didn't really um, train you to be patient, then I don't think anywhere in the world can train you yeah. to be patient, you know, with uh, what you're doing. And I think one final thing. Um, so Abby and I, as we mentioned, we went to Tokyo and there was one, uh, I guess, speaker that really, I think, set a lot of the stage for us. And the quote that they left us with was, don't waste your time convincing your doubters, find your believers. So with a lot of new entrepreneurship, right, it's a lot of time wasted trying to explain the concept. Uh, you know, you should do it. Why should you do it? Well, it just goes down this rabbit hole of like, <laughs> where do you even end, right? And I mean, um, you know, for all you know, even Facebook is not perfect even yeah. now. <laughs> so with, with that, it's really getting that person who connects with you right away, knows your business and knows how it works, and then just get them on board as quickly as possible and then move on to the next person. And that's really how you scale quickly. Um, and, and I love that quote. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just happened to be there in that room at that point. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great quote. And I think uh, it's a good place to pivot towards our last question of the show. And it's centered on the theme here on Conquering Columbus, mm -hmm. which is live uncomfortably. So without telling you guys too much about why we chose that as our phrase, what do you guys think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your lives and 
your careers? I think that's a very good phrase, two words. I like something that's short. Okay. Um, but more importantly, I think, you know, if you're comfortable, you know, uh, that's the end. Like, I think you can rephrase this thing and see that live, you know, uncomfortably. It's more like, you know, challenging yourself, you know, every single day. I am a firm believer that, you know, if you put anyone in charge of, let's say, a company and you give him enough money, yes, sure, chances are that he's going to run into the ground. But, you know, not everything can be solved with money. If money is the only thing that's stopping us from growing as an entrepreneur, then I think, you know, that's an easy fix. I think most of the times what stops us from, you know, being good entrepreneurs or good businessmen at the end of the day are a lot of other skills that we need to you know, like sort of like build our own entrepreneurial muscles, you know, by working on our startup, talking to people or whether that's tangible skill, like, you know, learning how to code. And I think delegation of work, that's also a skill. So I think that each day when we hear such things like, you know, or have a goal that can make you, you know, better. That's, I think, you know, what I would think about, you know, when you say live uncomfortably, it doesn't mean you know, live under poverty, you know, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's what I would say, you know, just don't be too happy with who you are or what you have. For me, it's, what comes to the mind is when I think of a, like a, a startup, it's, it's like this little speck and for it to grow, it has to somehow take more, occupy more space. So if you don't... You mean like a cow? <laughs> so, well, that's another thing. But um, so as if you want to grow this company or yourself even, right, uh, you have to be able to take that leap and go beyond what your boundary is. And uh, to grow as a person, to grow as a company, you, you really have to do that. And that's what really resonates with me, um, with our company, it's living uncomfortably. Like that's that's what we need to do. Like for me, I've been, I, a lot of this stuff I've never done before in development. I had some in engineering, but not at this level translation language like i'm i know another language but then i don't know the 168 that abby has experience with and well, i just have experience managing i can only speak five <laughs> so only five only five yeah only so, five. Like, um so i trouble with one <laughs> so it, it's it's being able to as a company there's a lot of things that you need to learn and you need to experience and you have to be able to live uncomfortably and i love that that you guys brought that up and being able to Go out there. Can we can we borrow yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> we'll fly for sale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sale. You know what I mean? Trademark. Yeah, Trademark. Yeah. We'll talk about it during the Series A round. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, uh, no, but gentlemen, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed having you both on the show, Avi Pui. And thanks so much for coming on and tell your story and talk about Uplands. Really oh, appreciate no, it. No, thank you. It was thank our, you. our pleasure. It was our yeah. pleasure. You guys are doing great stuff here and uh, we're honored to be on the show and to share a little bit about ourselves. Absolutely. And hopefully help others that are listening. Yeah, definitely. And Conquerors, if you guys like that episode, uh, leave us a like, give us a rating on iTunes. If you want to learn more about Uplancer, check out the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like, share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. 
Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. You can join them on September 28th for a community event, which features a tailgate and watch party for the OSU vs. Nebraska football game. They'll have tailgate food, special drinks, and desserts, as well as former Buckeyes and raffles. Tickets are only $15 and go to support She Has a Name, a local nonprofit that helps victims of human trafficking. You can go to their event page, smallbizcares.org backslash tailgate hyphen four hyphen charity hyphen 2019 to learn more and get your tickets. That's smallbizcares.org backslash tailgate hyphen four hyphen charity hyphen 2019. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Columbus.